no excuses. So, I, last week everybody had plenty of time to come in and sit down because I was screwing around with my iPad for five minutes. But they're slowly trickling in. All right. So, just in way of introduction, last week we started with Solomon at the end of chapter three telling us there's nothing better than to be happy, joyful, and content in the activities God gives us to do. And then in chapter 4, he went through several ways the enemy tries to pull us away from that contentment. We saw how he uses things like oppression, pride, vanity, foolishness, independence, and being sucked into the will of the crowd. And this week we'll end up similarly to how we started last week. Um, And so we are going to attempt to get through all of chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes today. So we'll see how... Why are you laughing? Because he's been here before. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for this day. We thank you once again that you give us this opportunity to look into your word. We thank you that you are the one who leads us and guides us and, and opens um, and, and just shows us the truth of your word. So we ask that you would do that this morning. We ask that our hearts would be ready to hear from you, ready to um, just take what you have to give us, and and that we would be um, vessels ready to to be filled. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so again, I'm just going to kind of read through verses as we go rather than reading the whole chapter. That would take a little while. Um, So this first section is... I considered 1 through 7 to be the first section, and I titled it, You Can't Impress God. Okay? You can't impress God. So we're going to read the first three verses. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they they do not know they are doing evil. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven, and you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For the dream comes through much effort, and the voice of a fool through many words. So, from verse 1, can you see any clues as to what the sacrifice of fools might be? What's that? Okay. What's it say? What's that? Everything? Their words. Yeah. He's talking about their words. That fools, and he says it again in the end of verse 3, the, uh, through much effort and the voice of a fool, through, the, through their many words. And so he's saying, listen more than you're talking. Um, and he's specifically talking here about talking to God. So Is he saying we shouldn't speak to God or only very limited speaking to God? I mean, what about pray without ceasing? That seems to be kind of an, you know, uh, uh, seems to be opposed to that idea. But no, absolutely, we should speak to God. But even more, we should be listening to God. So yes, we should be speaking to God. It's that, that old saying about you've got, Two ears and one mouth, so listen twice as much as what you speak. Um, Oftentimes, I think we fill up 
our time with God with, with our words, you know, and we want to say all these things. Um, let me ask you, if you could ask God any question, what would it be? What's that? Why the serpent? Okay. Okay. Yeah. What do you want me to do right now? What, what, what am I supposed to be doing? I wonder how often we would ask worthwhile questions. You know, we, sometimes we ask, we, we pray things like, um, show me what you would most like for me to know. Open my eyes to see what I need to know what I, what you know I need most, right? Um, or that that's you know th- those kind of things um, might be more worthwhile than sometimes what we pray. So, do we often pray things like, "Lord, I know I need this," or um, "I need to do more of this," you know? So we're we're telling him these things. If those things are true, he already knows those things, right? So we're not telling him anything he doesn't know. I'll pull this out a little. <laughs> That's a little tight there. Yeah. Um, he already knows. But would it be better to say, Lord, I don't even know what I need or even what I really want. But you do, so I'm just going to sit and listen to you. And then how do we listen? Yeah, reading his word. Reading his word with expectation of hearing from him. Because sometimes, I'm sure I'm the only one who does this, but sometimes in the morning I'll, you know, I'm going to pull my Bible out, I'm going to read through and do some, but I'm distracted by everything else. And so I'm reading, kind of, you know, but not really taking it in. Um, But what what if I go expecting to hear what he has to say? What if I expect that he's trying to tell me something, he's trying to speak to me as I read through his word? Sometimes we call out, Lord, hear my cry. Are you listening to me? Right? When we should be saying, Lord, I want to hear from you. Help me to hear you as I read your word. Help me to be listening for what you have to say. Thank you that you've revealed all I need to know in this love letter. You know, thank you that, that everything is there that I need. Yes? Right. 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 Because sometimes the things that happen to us, we get frustrated by, and it's like, you know, it, am I missing the opportunity, the opportunity that the Lord was using, wanted to use to teach me something, to, to draw me closer to him, to see what he's doing. But I just, I just because it's all about me, it was just frustrating. Right, Kevin? Mm-hmm. 5,000 and 4,000. Right. They asked, show us a sign. 
Right. You know, right. When he says to them, you see the, the sky when it's red in the morning, and you know how to understand that. You see when it's red in the evening, and you know how to understand that. You've seen the signs. Right. You just haven't equated them to God working. Right. You know? And so I think we do see signs around us all the time. Right. But we need to be looking at those as God's, you know, God's plan, and, and then going to him in prayer and saying, okay, what do you want to show me? Right. What do you want me to do? Right. If God is in everything, if he's with us throughout every moment of every day, then there's something to be learned from every moment of every day, and, and, and he's they, in the midst of it. Exactly. And when they asked him for that sign, he said they were an evil and adulterous generation that right. asked for a sign. Right. And I think that that's what we are if we don't look for God. We're right. We're an evil and adulterous generation. Right. And that's Romans 1 as well. Right? I mean... Yeah. There's all, this, there's all this around you, you know. What more do you need to see that God is there, you know. But, but in the moment, momentary day-to-day, yes, we should be looking for him everywhere. And, and, and it's that attitude of, oh, yeah, God is, God is with me, you know, in this moment, and there's something that he, I still, see if I can remember the way it was said, but I still remember the one thing I took from the study back in the 90s, I think it was, and now I can't think of it, but, but it was basically, you know, look for where God's working and join him. Because oftentimes we want to say, hey, I want to do this thing, or I, you know, I think this is what needs to happen. God, you know, jump in. Um, but really it's what is God doing? And if we have our eyes open looking for what he's doing rather than focusing on this is what I want, you know. Anyway. Um, am I saying we should never let our needs be known? No, clearly not. But we need to keep balance in our prayers. And I, I remember, uh, again, this was probably 25 years ago, talking about how we pray. And I try to, when I'm, when I'm praying, I try to focus more on thanking, praising him, you know, and, and being focused on those things. And again, I love one of those, one of those things things that I love that came out of uh, one of the Torchbearers uh, guys that was writing, you know, the language of trust is thank you. I love that. That's a great, a great reminder that if I truly trust the Lord, if I really believe that he loves me and he has, he's powerful enough to take care of everything, then whatever situation I'm in, I should be able to say thank you because something good can come out of it if I allow it to. All right, let's keep going. Um, Verse 4 through 7. When you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it, for he takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Do not let your speech cause you to sin, and do not say in the presence of the messenger of God that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry on account of your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For in many dreams and in many words, there's emptiness. Rather, fear God. So do we ever make promises to God? Have you ever made a promise to God? As human beings, do we tend to be careful with our words? Not generally. If you don't believe me, these are familiar verses, James 3, 6 through 8. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire? And the tongue is a fire, 
the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds of and birds uh, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the, by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of de deadly poison. Are you careful about how you talk to God? Do you think about it? Do you easily say, I'll do this or I'll do that, but you don't follow through? Why do we do those kinds of things? I was thinking about words and, and the way that they, we tend to throw things around. And if, if you really want to see this um, and get a chuckle, you know, listen to uh, junior high boys talk about anything that they think they're an authority on. I can still remember when Andrew and Sam and Chase Hill and Jake, they're all junior high age, and listening to them talk about trucks was really funny. Because... Uh, you know, their whole, their whole um, sphere of reference was whatever their dad had or, you know, they saw something. And, and so they would, they would say these things that were just so absurd and really stupid. But it would, I would just sit there and listen and chuckle because it's like they have no clue. And they're just trying to one-up each other, you know, and, and the way that boys will do. And so they're just throwing words around. And they don't mean anything. So we can sometimes kind of do that same thing with God. Do we really say what we mean, or are we just throwing things out? Why do we talk to God? Why do we come to church? Why do we read our Bible? Are we trying to impress Him? He's not impressed. He sees our actions but he also sees our hearts and he knows what motivates us. Some people really seem to think they have a golden tongue and they manipulate a lot of people, but they think they can manipulate God. Do you really think you can sweet, God, sweet talk God into doing what you want? Some people seem to think so. Um, if you think that, then you're the gullible one, not him. So, again, are you trying to impress God? You can't impress Him. We only look foolish when we try. All right, any thoughts on that before we move on? All right. Um, so, 8 and 9, he shifts gears a little bit, and what I came up with is good leaders are a blessing and hard to find, and God is watching. So, good leaders are a blessing and hard to find, and God is watching. Verses 8 and 9, if you see oppression of the poor and denial of justice and righteousness in the province, do not be shocked at the sight, for one official watches over another official, and there are higher officials over them. After all, a king who cultivates the field is, is an advantage to the land. So the, there are some differences and in some interpretations on some of these things. The New King James uh, interpretation of verse 8 is similar to the NAS, but the the older King James, one of the older King James versions, um, seems to put more emphasis on the fact that God is also watching over the highest officials. So it's, there's officials and officials over those officials and officials over those officials, but God is over all those officials is kind of the, the gist of what they were saying. Um, 
So it's not spelled out here as well, but clearly we know that's true as well. Um, so what point do you think he's making in talking about levels of government? What's he trying to tell us? Any thoughts? We have a system of checks and balances in our government, right? So we're, we're good, right? There's no, there's no oppression. Everything's fair and equal, right? We're good. Yeah. I think, it, I think what he's saying is mm-hmm. if wealth is your king, right. it's never going to be satisfied. Okay. Because he goes on in the next verse, yeah. in verse 10, the one who loves silver is never satisfied with silver, and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income, but it's still futile. Yeah. So I think the whole thing is leading up to the fact that if you're making wealth your king, right. it's never going to be satisfied, and you shouldn't be surprised by that. Right. Because it's an endless pursuit. Right. You know, you're never going to be wealthy enough. Yeah. And right now he's focused on... What happens in, I think what he's saying is talking about what happens in our government. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It goes back to that. What's, what's so much of the focus? Um, you know, if you listen to popular cultural, the culture, they'll tell you that, you know, money is the root of all evil, which is true? Not true. Yeah. The love of money is, is the root of all sorts of evil, um, is what the Bible says. But... There's a lot of truth in that. There's a lot of truth in the fact that we see corruption. We see, how many times have you heard about, you know, there's a natural disaster. I remember when Katrina went through, um, and, you know, there's all this destruction, and so we're going to send all this money down there. You know, five, ten years later, you go, where'd the money go? Well, I think that's the other thing that I think is, is pointed out by this. When you see corruption, Oh yeah. Right. It right. Compromises. Absolutely. Injustice and, and because there's always this other thing that yeah. is uh, the real goal that, right. that causes you to compromise on others. Right. Because why? People have sinful hearts, right? So what do we get? You know, more levels of what do more levels of government get you? More corruption, right? More oppression, more denial of justice and righteousness because of greed and other things. Um, you know, there's, there's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. Porter? Just simply just love power. What's that? Just, love, just power. love power. Yes. I just need to be in control and be able to squash somebody else. Okay. And so as you're denying this, and you're saying that there is authority, but after all, the king sets the, um, the facilitator down for the land. So if you, if you see, well, what is Christ in all of this? You see that God is able to bring back his, his two pillars of justice and righteousness, and he will cultivate the land for his purposes. Right. Um, and so sometimes I get lost in Ecclesiastes, so where is Christ? Right. 
Right. Yeah. Right. Agreed. Agreed. And thank you for that, because I remember what, at the beginning of this book, I said, we gotta, I got to keep coming back to Christ, because, because it is easy to get kind of lost in all of this. And he seems to say a lot of the same things over and over, which I think means that we need to hear it over and over. Um, there are some things that we need to be reminded of. Um, yeah. So let me continue through here. I'm going to get to where get to where you were, but um, so do we see equity in how people are treated by any government? Can you think of a government where you go, everybody's treated equally? Anybody? All right, just making sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so what happens? What happened to America? Because you do, you look at what the founding fathers set up, and it was pretty impressive. <coughs> what happened? So 200 years later. Okay. Yeah, they actually used to pray. Yeah. And we have let, again, the greed and the, you know, whether it's, whether it's wealth or whether it's power, whether it's, you know, all kinds of other things, those things have come in, and, 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 you know, we used to say, let's, you know, put this, put the Ten Commandments in every courtroom and, you know, all these different things. And, no, we're going to, we don't need those things. We have to separate all those things. No, that's, that's not true. Right. Heather and I were talking on the way this morning. We, we were made to worship. We were created to worship. We're going to worship something. If we deny God, then we're just looking around for different things to worship. We're going to worship the earth. We're going to worship our body. We're going to worship um, money. We're going to, you know, all these different things. that Possessions, power, position, all those different things. We're going to, one of those things is going to become our God, at least one. But there's no balance in those. Um, we were talking about if you... You know, you say, well, I'm going to make, uh, you know, saving the earth is, is my goal. That's, that's my whole purpose in life. Well, what do you do when something else, a moral issue, bumps up against your, you know, this is, this is my goal? Well, you know, that, yeah, what do you do with the homeless person that, you know, is messing up your vision of what the world should be? You know, it's so... There's no balance in those things. There is in, in Christ. There is in, in his word. Yeah, I think we are. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What does that look like? Um, I don't know. What do you... What's everybody thinking? I mean, I don't know. Uh, go ahead. Right. 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 
Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good answer. I immediately think of Abraham having to give back the gift that God gave him. Right. Be willing to give back the gift that God gave him. I do think that children can become an idol. Oh, absolutely. We see it a lot. Mm -hmm. People can, you know, and I've seen it before in people who are very offended um, by God sometimes about things that happen to their children, their children. And I think that that is difficult to accept, but God has to be my friend. He has to be my friend. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on. Um, Verses 10 to 17. as Kevin was saying, I, I headed this as striving for wealth can never satisfy. Verse 10 through 12, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor, will he, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. When good things increase, those who consume them increase. So, that in, so what is the advantage to their owners except to look on? The sleep of the working man is pleasant, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich man does not allow him to sleep. So is this the first time Solomon has told us wealth won't satisfy? No, he keeps telling us. Why? Because we need to be reminded. Because it's prevalent in our society, in his society. So are you content with your income? Uh, Kind of, you know. How much more do you need? Just a little more. I still remember, this was probably early on when we came to Bernie Bible Church. I remember Charlie preaching, I don't remember what he was preaching on, but I remember him, you know, saying, they did a study and they asked people, you know, are you, do you, ha- are you making enough? Are you doing okay? I just need a little bit more, you know. How much more? I think it was like, you know, 20%, you know. And, and I'd, be, I'd be content. I'd be good if I just had that little bit more, you know. And then you ask the question, how long? How long would you really be content? And, and do we see what, what he's talking about here in verse 11? When good things increase, those who consume them increase. Do, do you see that? Yeah, I remember when we first moved back to Bernie, we'd been working up at this camp in Colorado. We'd had hardly, you know, we had no money. We were talking about how much Andrew made this year compared to what we made back then. Our housing was provided and, you know, some things like that, but, but we didn't make much. And then we came to Bernie and still weren't really making much. But I, I can still remember, you know, going, I need a raise. We need a little more, you know, and just thinking that. So I make a little more. And, and it's funny because when you're young, you don't think about things like life insurance or, you know, a lot of other things like that. that and, and, of course, when we had a really small house, when we only had three kids, um, you know, Insurance on the house isn't as much. The payment isn't as much. All these different things. Well, then you get a few more kids and you need a little bigger house and all these things go up. So it's like, it's like you make more money and it all gets consumed. You know, It's not like, okay, I made more money. Now we're going to have a bigger bank account. We're going to have a bigger savings account. None of that's true, right? So why are we striving for more? I'll let that one hang. We are absolutely (laughs) irrational. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because we we think, we we see, well, I, you know, 
we need these things, or at least we, if we're honest, we say, I want these things, and so I need to work harder, I need to do more, I need to get more. Um, but oftentimes, if our heart's not right, he's not going to let us be content with it. He may not let us have it at all. He may let us have it and find out how discontent we still are with it. He loves us enough to not just let us wallow around in that ugliness. So what's the answer? Everything's a hard issue, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. Everything is a hard issue. Yeah, taking, taking my eyes off of what I think is right and putting it on, Lord, <laughs> you, you know so much more than I do. You know so much more than I do. Um, so I'm going to be content with what I have, trust you to provide what I need rather than striving for what I think I want or what I think I need. Um, Real quickly, before we move on, why the disparity between the working's man, working man's rest and the rich man? What, what's the, why the disparity between the rest of the two men? Doing something. Yeah. Right. 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 And why you have it and how you got it and all those things. So I think the other thing is God when God created Adam, he he put him in the garden to worship. Absolutely. Right. Work is a blessing. Uh, the problem is when we start to focus on ourselves and make everything about us. Right. right? So I think I think he's, the simple life is the better life. Right? It is. That's what he's saying. Right. You know? Right. It's perfectly uh, okay to work. Right. It's just don't make it about it's idol worship. You know. Yeah. Of yourself. I. Right? There was uh, there were some pe- folks we built a house for um, years when I was working for Great Homes, and you know this big piece of property. The guy built his own lake, you know, and you know car barn and helicopter barn, and you know so that kind of wealth. You get the idea. I, I, watching these people as we built this, I was like, I don't have the energy to spend that much money. I mean, that sounds it sounds crazy. You're like, yeah, that's funny. No, I'm serious. The amount of work they were doing, just spending all the money and doing it, is like, I don't want that. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. I don't, I don't even think he's necessarily saying that the rich man isn't working. Right. He's saying that the, the richer you are, it adds anxiety because you have all of these tasks. You're over more people. You're, you're overseeing more. There's more moving pieces. Yeah. 
you're worried about it. You're worried, how do I protect it? How do I, you know, what, what's going to happen to it and things like that. And, and we see that um, in this next section where, you know, he's got this money and he loses it. And, and it's just all those things that, that cause anxiety for the guy who's just working and, you know, maybe hand to mouth, but he's like, we, had, we ate and, you know, I know I've got work tomorrow and so I'm going to go to sleep and I'll get up and I'll work again. Amy? Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, the way I summed it up, a working man knows he did a day's work worthy of a wage, large or small. The rich man is consumed by keeping track of and protecting his wealth and possessions, and it gives him indigestion. Probably getting an ulcer or whatever, you know. All right, let's move on. 13 through 17, there is a grievous evil which I have seen under the sun, riches being hoarded by their owner to his hurt. When those riches were lost through a bad investment and he had fathered a son, then there was nothing to support him. As he had come naked from his mother's womb, so he will return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Exactly as a man is born, thus he will he die. So what is the advantage to him who toils for the wind? Throughout his life he also eats, eats in darkness with great vexation, sickness, and anger. So not a real pleasant uh, picture there. Um, so let's address verse 13 first. How can a person be hurt by hoarding his riches? Isn't saving a good thing? Is there a difference there? What's the difference? Right. For right. When is the end? Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing about somebody like that is that it's like, well, once they do get to that point where, okay, I don't think they ever really get to the point where they feel free to spend it because they've been saving. They've been, you know, and, and, and they get focused on protecting and, and you know, I can't, can't let go of that, you know. There is, yes, Penny? Yeah. Yeah. And there, right, and there is a place for saving. Go ahead. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Andrew's been working at HEB, and he's planning on going to college and talking probably about going to his hill next year, you know, and same with Sam. And, you know, tr yeah, you got to save up some for those things. But, you know, be generous in the midst of it, too, because who provides it all? God does. I heard a story of a, a man who had great wealth, and he 
Right. Right. Yeah. It's all perspective, and it gets a little tweaked sometimes, right? Right. My dad used to say, just a second, Tom. Um, my dad used to say, because he would design houses for, you know, wealthy people oftentimes, and he said, you can tell the difference in people who um, inherited wealth and those who made their own. He said, people who inherited it, they, have, they hold on to it tightly because they don't know how to make more. The guy who went out and made money, he's like, eh, yeah, okay, if I lose it, I'll, I'll make more, you know. So it, it's kind of an interesting perspective. Tom? So uh, a lot of things come back to construction and oil. Uh, Absolutely. I had a story yesterday of uh, a food store owner that um, everything's projected that he was going to lose his business. Um, in the process, he had just started giving some things away. One of which was baby chicks. Well, then people came back. Those people became loyal customers right. that bought seeds. Right. And he had a successful business. Right. Suddenly. He's planting seeds that sprout and but they're chickens, you know. Yeah. But without seeds and yeah. Chicken, yeah. He right. He expected to lose his business. Right, right. And I'm just saying so what Yeah. That we, we trust the one who has a cattle, cattle on a thousand hills. Right. And he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. He can take our money away or he can give it. Right. And my point is he was planting seeds whether he recognized it or not because if we then go into it going, oh, God, I'm going to plant these seeds so that you'll bless me, right? And like, no. Uh, he sees our hearts. He knows. I am going to try to get through this because I, I want to get to the positive part at the end, the really good stuff. So I'm going to kind of finish up here. Um, so what was being said over here, verse 14, um, other translations will su suggest simply that an unfortunate event happened and the money was gone. Um, so the point is don't put your hope in money because you can't take it with you anyway. Um, and then I think verse 17 essentially describes the same man as the one at the end of verse 12. Focus on wealth doesn't bring joy, happiness, contentment, peace, etc., and um, Charlie mentioned it last week, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for the, either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and hate the, and despise the other. He can't serve God and wealth. Um, so let's do this last section. Contentment is a gift from God. Solomon said, he says, here is what I have seen to be good and fitting, to eat, to drink, and enjoy oneself and all one's labor in which he toils under the sun during the few years of his life which God has given him. For this is his reward. Furthermore, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, he has also empowered him to eat from them and to receive his reward and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. For he will not often consider the years of his life because God keeps him occupied with the gladness of his heart." Solomon has said this before. What's he driving at? What's he trying to tell us? I sum it up with the word be content. Well, it's a phrase, be content. And I, and I think but that contentment. Comes from acknowledging God. Yes. Enjoying what God has given you. Yep. To yep. your point about being thankful. 
Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And why does he keep having to say this? Because we're forgetful. Right? God gives us life. He provides for our needs, sometimes with great abundance, sometimes hand to mouth, typically somewhere in between. But he's the one who provides for our needs. Um, and, and that's, again, what, where we, toward the end of Matthew chapter 6 last week, that was what Charlie was preaching on, right? God knows our needs. He takes care of our needs. We don't need to worry about it. We don't need to strive. We don't need to fret and worry. He knows what we need. Um, I read this this morning, Proverbs 30, uh, 7 through 9. Two things I asked of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty or riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, that I not be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. What was that? That, uh, Pro- Proverbs 30, that's uh, 7 through 9. So, where's your peace? Where's your joy? Where's your hope? It should be in Christ. It should be the fact that we have a loving Father who has all the resources in the world, who knows our needs. He cares enough to not give us everything we want. That is a blessing. How many times have we asked for really dumb things? Or things that if we got them, you know, just like he says in in Proverbs there, things that would take us away from the Lord. Do you draw closer to the Lord in the good times or the hard times? It's the hard times. Rarely in the really good times do we draw closer to the Lord the way that we do in, in the hard times. Are you striving after things that do not last? What are you most focused on? All right, we got a couple minutes. Any other thoughts or things before we wrap it up? All right. Tom, will you pray for us? Bless the, the rest of this time at church today. May you give us uh, ears to hear and hearts to understand. Um, and bless all those that are leading service today. In Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to do. I want to say thank you to everyone for participating. I think it makes it so much richer. And again, I don't have all the answers, so it's fun to have the participation. So thanks.